Well, I guess that makes this my first sermon as a pastor. Um, <laughs> um, the, um, the great author, G.K. Chesterton, once wrote that when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. And uh, I take far too much for granted, but I am just filled with gratitude uh, for this morning and just for each one of you and for being a part of this church family. Uh, To baptize Julian in the first service and Hannah and Lydia this morning, to be ordained as part of a church that just means so much to me. And then to have the chance to preach about our missional God is just such a privilege, and I cannot put it into words. And there's so many people who have been part of my journey who have just encouraged me. Uh, And I would love to stand up here and thank each one, but I don't really have the time, nor would I do it justice. But I do want to thank one person publicly in particular, and that is my wife, Victoria. Being the wife of a pastor at times is difficult, and uh, and my wife is a champ, and we are a team, and I could not be up here and get to do what I do if it were not for her love and her support and her encouragement and really her belief in me from the very beginning. And as as special as it was to kneel up here with her and get ordained, it pales in comparison to when I stood up here with her and got married eight years ago. And uh, Victoria, you are such a blessing to me and to so many others. And I would rather be married to you than preach a thousand sermons. And uh, I just want to say thank you in front of a thousand of our closest friends. We have spent the last few months here at Wayside really walking through the book of Ephesians. This magnificent letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. And as part of this letter and as part of this journey, we have seen a lot of things. But we are going to take, hit a pause button for just a little bit for two Sundays. And we're going to come back to Ephesians in a couple Sundays. But over the next two, I'm going to preach about a couple things that are important to the local church. Very different, but very important. And one of those is missions. And so we're going to talk about missions this morning, and then we're going to come back next Sunday, and we're going to look at singleness. And we're going to look at singleness and the local church. Um, I started coming to Wayside. I came on staff in 2012, but I actually started attending Wayside in 2007. And I came to Wayside for two primary reasons. And the first of these reasons was that I wanted to go to a church and I wanted to be a part of a body of believers that just had a high view of God's word. That just stood on the word of God and preached it and stood on that with great conviction. And that is Wayside. Wayside is a community that is rooted in the word. And and the second reason I landed at Wayside was because I wanted to be a part of a church that had a heart for God's global mission. I wanted to be a part of a church that loved missions, and that is Wayside. As we are a community rooted in the word, reaching out to the world, reproducing Christ followers. 
And the truth is, is if you are a church that takes the word of God seriously, then you are a church that will take the mission of God seriously. Because as it has been said before, if you take missions out of the Bible, all you have left are the covers. That's all that remains. And so my desire this morning is to help us think through as a church a theology of missions. And then flesh out how that happens here at Wayside Chapel. And to do this, I'm going to look at four aspects of missions and how they relate to the local church. The four aspects. And the four aspects of missions are these. The foundation for missions. The fuel for missions. The function of missions. And the sphere of missions. Now, I really wish sphere would have started with an F. But that's, that's life in the big city, you know? So let's start with foundation. What is the foundation for missions? The foundation for missions is God himself. It is God. It all comes back to who God is. And the fact is that God is a missional God. He is the first and he is the greatest missionary. And we saw this in in Paul's words to the Ephesians in chapter 1, where he writes of the Father who planned our salvation. And he writes of God the Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, who came and provided our salvation. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit who came and sealed our salvation, preserving us for all eternity, promising to never leave us as part of God's great work of redemption. And since God is a missionary God, we are to be a missionary people. We are to be a missionary people. Um, at, At Dallas Seminary, I was fortunate to sit under the teaching of a guy by the name of Dr. Scott Harrell, who, who his class changed my life, and he's become a friend and a mentor. And he taught me on Trinitarianism, which probably doesn't surprise you. And in his class, Dr. Harrell told us these words. He says, The redemptive mission of God is the expression of God himself. So the redemptive mission of God becomes the essential expression of faith in the life of the believer. For the Christian, if there is no mission, there is no life. This is what God has called us into. And we express that mission through our life. And so as a result, for the Christian, if there is no mission, there is no Christian life. There is no life. And this is not only true of the individual believer, this is then obviously true of God's church, the local church. German theologian Emil Brunner writes that the church lives by mission as a fire lives by burning. The church lives by mission as a fire lives by burning. And so if it is true that God is a missional God, and if it is true that God has called us into that mission as his missional people then the next question that we have to answer is, what is the mission of God? What is it that he's called us into? And this is a big topic, right? This is a huge topic of Scripture that much has been written about. But simply speaking, the mission of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It involves God's divine work of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. It's God's work of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. Now, what do those mean? 
God's work of redemption speaks to the fact that he has purchased us. He has bought us with his blood. We owed a debt as a result of our sin, but Jesus came and he paid our debt. And on the cross, he said, Tetelestai paid in full. He bought us out of the slave market where we are a slave to sin and a child of wrath. And he bought us and he freed us and he brought us into the family of God. He redeemed us. And as a part of this redemption, he brought reconciliation. You see, because of our sin and because of God's holiness, there had been a massive separation that had taken place between us and God. And yet because of God's work on our behalf, where there was once enmity, the relationship where there was once only judgment through grace and by faith in Jesus Christ, we have been reconciled to God. God's righteousness has been given to us and we stand before him justified and a child of the living God. He has reconciled us. And not only has he accomplished redemption and reconciliation through the cross, he is also in the process of restoration. He's in a process of making all things new through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is taking once what, what was perfect and had been destroyed and saying, I am going to recreate that in its original perfection. And one day I will restore all things as they were ultimately intended to be. And this goes for creation and for his people in humanity. And Paul describes some of the results of this mission and some of the impact of this mission on us in his letter to the church in Corinth. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul writes these words. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. And we beg you on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, God has done a great work of redemption where he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He has redeemed us. And not only that, he has reconciled us to himself, as Paul says, through Christ, as God was reconciling himself to the world through Christ. And then lastly, he is bringing ministry of restoration where, behold, old things have gone and new things have come and they will continue to come until the end when perfection is reached. And this is the gospel. This is the mission of God. And as a result of that, the mission of God impacts believers in two primary ways. As a recipient and then as a recruit. As a recipient and then as a recruit. Those who are recipients of the mission of God are then recruited to assist as ambassadors of Christ in the mission of God. Those who are saved by his mission have been called to serve in his mission. He says that we are ambassadors for Christ. 
And that we are to beg on behalf of God to be reconciled. So therefore, all believers are involved in the mission of God. All believers are involved in the mission of God. The role of of being an ambassador for Christ. This is not something that's left to some professional, super Christian. This is what God has commanded of all Christians, of his church, of his people. We are all involved in the mission of God together. And we have different roles, no doubt. Different opportunities, different gifts, different strengths. But the same objective, the same mission. One of my favorite books that I've ever read is by the historian Stephen Ambrose. And it's his classic work, Band of Brothers, which chronicles the lives of some of the members of the the 101st Airborne in World War II. And so I was blown away when I came to find out that Victoria's grandfather, Umberto Gallegos, was a member of the 101st. And he jumped on D-Day. He jumped into Normandy on June 6, 1944. And while Umberto was one of those who parachuted into Normandy as the tip of the spear on the invasion that fateful day, that invasion required the work of so many others that allowed him to do that. It was a team effort. There was a pilot who flew him. There were engineers who worked on the plane. There were spies who had drawn the map so he knew where to jump. There was the flight instructor that had taught him what to do. There were the generals who had planned the invasion. There was the cook who provided the food that he needed. And there was the one who packed his parachute. Millions of people played a role in that invasion. Not just the ones who jumped out of planes. Or the ones who landed on the beachhead. It was a team effort. And as recipients of God's great grace, we are now called to have a role in God's great mission of redemption and restoration and reconciliation. And in this mission, there's no such thing as a spectator. And there's no such thing as an insignificant role. We need spiritual parachuters. We need spiritual parachute packers. And we need everything in between. Working together to accomplish the mission that God has given us, of which he is the architect. So the foundation of missions is God himself. He made missions possible by sending his son. He made missions actual by the sending of the Holy Spirit. And he calls us into mission with him, with him. And so while the foundation of missions is God himself, it's the mission of God, the fuel of missions, the fuel is love, or more accurately, the love of God. It has been said that while sacrifice is the fruit of missions, it is love that is the root of missions. Sacrifice is the fruit, but it's love that is the root. And the love of God is powerful. And it causes us to do things that other people just don't understand. They don't know what's going on with these Christian people. Because we are responding to his love in the context of his mission. His love serves as the fuel that provides our response. And I spoke about this a few weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 3. 
And one of the things I said is I am convinced that our ability to love God and to love others is directly related to our ability to receive God's love for us. That our ability to love God and love others is directly linked to our ability to receive God's love for us. And this is Paul's words to us in his prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul says, I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. You see, when we embrace the love of God, we then are able, we are filled with this fullness and we extend the love of God. It is God's love for us, it is God's love in us, and then it is God's love flowing through us back to Him and onto others. Because the love of God is something that is designed to be shared with others, it's designed to be shared. You know, last week, Roger came up here and he preached. And uh, for one of his illustrations, Roger mentioned how he is not a huge fan of musical theater. And he even had a few friendly jabs at us who like to attend musicals. But you see, I, on the other hand, am proud to say that I love the theater. I love musicals. Maybe it's because my father loves musicals. My mother was a music teacher for 30 plus years, but I love them. And of all the musicals that I've seen, and I've seen a lot, there's one that stands out above all the rest. I mean, there's this one that's the cream de la cream of musicals and all else pale in comparison. And there's no argument. It's not subjective. It's just <laughs> the reality. And that is Les Mis. That is Les Mis. It's Les Mis is just breathtaking. And two summers ago, Victoria and I um, were in New York for our anniversary, and we saw Les Mis on Broadway. And it was a matinee. It was a 2 p.m. matinee on a Wednesday. And we literally cried the entire show. <laughs> the entire show. And we walked out in the sunlit streets of New York City. At about 4 or 5 p.m. on a Wednesday. And we looked like a complete train wreck. <laughs> my eyes were swollen. I had like dried tears and snot on my face. My shirt, my shirt was untucked. I mean, I looked like I'd gotten mugged. <laughs> Victoria had mascara running down her face. She looked beautiful. It was great. <laughs> and... Uh, we came home from New York, and all I wanted to do was tell people about how great Les Mis was. Um, I had to temper my enthusiasm, actually, a little bit, when my, my oldest son, Elijah, started walking around the house with a fake uh, rifle, singing, Red, the blood of angry men. <laughs> so that's when I looked at Tori, I said, get the veggie tails out. We got to <laughs> call a curveball. I mean, we got to make an audible here. But see, the deal is that I, I, I love Les Mis. And my love for Les Mis is revealed by the fact that I sing its songs. I quote its lines. I tell others of its greatness. And that is just a musical. 
How great is it to share about the God who made us. The God of the universe who came to redeem us. The God who took on flesh and sent his spirit and says, I will never, ever leave you. That's the God we serve. And that is an incredible thing to share about. You see, the love of God transforms hearts and it fuels our actions as part of his mission. So the fuel of missions is the love of God. And it's important to remember that the love of God is a love that moves. You understand? It's a love that moves. It's not just a love that feels. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He sent his one and only son. John chapter 14, Upper Room Discourse. Jesus tells the disciples, the Father is going to send the Spirit. And he will be with you. And he will guide you in all things. He will guide you in the truth. John 17, Jesus is praying for the disciples. And what does he pray? He says, as the Father has sent me, now I send you. Now I send you. The love of God is a love that moves. And it's a love that involves being sent. And that brings us to our next question, which is, well, what are we sent to do? What is the purpose of the sending? What is our role? What is our assignment in this mission? And that brings us to the third point, which is the function of missions. And the function of missions is to make disciples. It's to make disciples. It's discipleship. This is the function of missions. This is the function of the church. This is why we're here. This is the words of Christ to the disciples before he leaves in the Great Commission. It says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, we as believers are not sent out into the world with a mission of modifying behavior. Our calling is so much greater than that. We're not sent out in the world to just create opportunities for social advancement. We're not sent out into the world to create nice people or to legislate morality. No, none of those are bad, but they're not the mission of the church. The mission of the church, and thus the function of missions as commanded by God, is to make disciples. And everything else flows from that, flows from that heart. And once again, this is a commandment not given to some super saint society. This is the commandment given to the church, the people of God, given to you and to me. And the truth is, is when I think about the people who've had the greatest impact on my life, many of them were not in paid ministry. Many of them were not in paid ministry. And I don't say that to belittle the impact or importance of vocational ministry, especially since I just got ordained like 25 minutes ago. But I do say that to elevate your view of the importance of your ministry. Your ministry, not mine, yours. 
the importance of your ministry as a disciple of Christ and as his church. You have a ministry of being an ambassador for Christ. Peter calls it you. You are a partaker of the divine nature. You are a servant of the new covenant. And that ministry is to make disciples. And discipleship is not overly complicated. It's teaching and helping others to follow Jesus. It is teach At the most basic level, discipleship is teaching and helping others to follow Jesus. And as such, discipleship can happen anywhere. Of course it happens in the church, as it should. This is a primary place for discipleship, but it certainly does not end here. Discipleship happens in the workplace. Discipleship happens in the neighborhood. Discipleship happens in your home. Discipleship happens at school. It happens at the CrossFit gym and the coffee shop. It happens in our children's ministry while this is going on. My, my son, Elijah, I've read to him so much and talked to him about the scriptures and about theology so much. And he goes to God and me for like six weeks. And he comes back and he says, Dad, did you know that God is omnipresent? I'm like, I know, son. I've been telling you that. But being a part of that discipleship in the children's ministry has helped form his heart. It's changed his heart. Same thing goes true for the the student ministries and the discipleship taking place in the student ministries, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Takes place and discipleship takes place in our local outreaches. It takes place in our short-term mission trips. You see, the venue may change. The mission does not. And the mission is to make disciples. Because the the missions is not a ministry in the church. It's not a departmental ministry in the church. Missions is the ministry of the church. The church exists on mission. It is who we are. And you are the church. You are wayside. It's not breathing the air in a church building that somehow magically makes disciples. It is the people of God following after God And calling others to do the same. The function of missions and the ultimate purpose of the church is to make disciples. So we have the foundation of missions, which is God himself. We have the fuel, which is his love. We have the function, which is discipleship. And finally, we have the sphere, which is every stinking square inch on this earth. But I just condensed it into everywhere. Okay? Everywhere. We are called to make disciples everywhere. Acts 1.8, a key text in the book of Acts that we looked at many, many times. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. The sphere of missions is every inch of this world that God has divinely created. From our own personal Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Psalm 24, God says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. The earth belongs to God and his mission and his love are indifferent to national borders to geographical borders, or to cultural borders. The love of God and the mission of God knows no such thing as a border. 
For if God's love is for anybody anywhere, it's for everybody everywhere. Period. And this Acts 1.8, this local to global strategy is our structure for missions here at Wayside Chapel. A structure that was put in place by Roger and Rick Lowe and that we are still carrying out as a church. The mission of God starts in our own backyard for you personally and for us as a church community. I sometimes talk to people and they'll ask me, what does Wayside do for local missions? And I'll say, I don't know. What do you do? You're the church, not me. You're the church. What are you doing? That's local missions. That being said, we also have some partners that we have partnered with as a church that are doing great work in our city. We have Any Woman Can Ministry up in the Stone Oak area caring for women who are pregnant. We have the Pregnancy Care Center and the Medical Center. We have Sam Ministries caring for the poor of our city right down the road. We have Blueprint Ministries, which many people serve with, which is remodeling homes downtown for the least of these in our city. We have Taking It to the Streets, which many of the the young adults have become engaged with, which is a homeless ministry at the church under the bridge. We We are doing a partnership with Children's Hunger Fund for VBS this year, another great partner in our city. And we also have a couple of ministries that we run out of our own, out of Wayside, that are seeking to carry out God's mission right and down the road. And the first of these is the Colonial Hills Ministry at the elementary school right down 410. We have a great team there led by Pete and Joyce Velasquez and a number of others who are doing incredible work discipling these kids in the Lord. Every Tuesday afternoon, there's upwards of 100 students who come for a Bible club where they are taught the gospel, where they have scripture poured into them, where they are discipled, where they are shown the gospel by folks living it out right in front of them. And we have ministered to the administration, to the faculty, to these students in a public school. A public school. It's phenomenal. And it's just remarkable the favor that God has shown this ministry over the last 10 years. We have seen hundreds of people come to the Lord through this ministry both through the Bible club that goes on as well as through the scholarships that we've been able to give out that send some of these kids to His Hill Camp or the Church in the City Camp by Pine Cove on our own property. And we are able to do that through your faithful and generous giving. We've sent numbers of kids to camp from that school. It's a great ministry that always needs more volunteers. There are kids we literally turn away. There is a waiting list. Because we cannot take them in because we don't have enough volunteers. So this is a great opportunity to disciple those right down the road for the glory of God. We also have a a ministry that we started last year called New Hope Literacy or the New Hope Ministry. And this is a ministry we launched to minister to the hundreds of refugees that live at Wurzbach Manor Apartments. You see, we live in a day and age where we don't even have to go to the nations because the nations are coming to us. They're coming to us. And no matter what one's political views are when it comes to immigration, which is a difficult topic, there is no dispute about what God's heart is for the refugee. God's heart for the refugee is one of love and compassion, and we have the opportunity to reveal that in a tangible way. And love these folks who come from over 30 countries to Wurzbach Manor and show them acts of kindness compassion through English conversations, help with just life skills of how you live in America. 
literacy training through Bible stories. We're working on an initiative that, allow, that will allow us to adopt families as a church. It's just a wonderful opportunity to go to the nations while staying right here in San Antonio. It's amazing. And while mission starts locally, it doesn't end there. We have over 40 uh, missionary partners around the world serving in over 30 countries that we support. And these folks are an extension of our vision as a church of rooted, reaching, and reproducing. They are, they are us. They are part of us. And they are in your bulletin. They are online. And go be, get familiar with them. Read about them. Pray for them. They need it. They're serving in some hard places. Some hard places. And see, not only do we stay and minister locally as well as support missionaries globally, but we also mobilize our congregation to go to the nations. In your bulletin, you see another insert with our eight teams heading out from Wayside in 2017. And we are excited about what God's doing and the teams he's putting together. Just in a few weeks, we're, we got a team heading to East Asia to do some ministry with crew. We have nine college students who are heading to East Asia in a partnership with crew as well, where they'll be there for six weeks. We're going to the Navajo Reservation, Arizona, and ministering to these kids on the reservation who feel the pull of poverty and culture, and we get to go there and show them the love of Christ. We're ministering in the Czech Republic with Jonathan Rosen, one of our partners, to uh, high schoolers who know nothing of the Lord and the gospel. We're going to Peru with our partners, Carlos and Meredith Block, where we're getting to further and be a part of their ministry to the Yeneshua people in the jungles of Peru. We're going to Guatemala and working with our partner, the Potter's House, that cares for the least of these in Guatemala City. But we don't have to go to Guatemala. We're going to the border. The high school group going to Laredo where they're going to minister to folks on the border where there's just immense poverty. Tim Nowell and I were down there a couple weeks ago. Great opportunities to minister to folks right on our border. And the middle school is going to, to Alabama where they get a taste of evangelism and discipleship as well as be a part of a great camp that's going on there at the same time. We want to be a church that engages the nations, not just by sending money, but by sending our people. And in the process, grow as disciples, grow as those who are called to disciple, and further the ministry of our partners around the world who are seeking to carry out the vision of making disciples of all nations. And I hope you will consider being a part of one of those teams. Missions is not a departmental ministry in the church. It is the ministry of the church. And that mission of carrying out God's mission continues on. So may we be a church founded on his mission, fueled by his love, making disciples near and far, and be faithful to the call that he has given on to us individually and to us as a church. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this morning. And we come before you with just hearts full of gratitude. Because as Ronald said in the prayer, the reality is, is that you need nothing. You are in need of nothing. You are perfect and sufficient as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and eternal community. But because of the love that exists, you chose to create. It's an overflow of who you are. It is an overflow of your love. And we are the recipients of that. All of creation is the recipient of your love. 
And it's just incredibly humbling, God. And yet, even though you created us with love, we rebelled. And we chose to turn our back on you. And we've all done this. The, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And, and people in here may be saying, well, I'm extra bad. Everyone's extra bad. Because one sin puts eternal separation between us and a holy God. But your love knows no borders. Not even from heaven to earth. And so you left your throne in heaven. You came to earth. You took on flesh. You walked among us. You ministered to the brokenhearted. And you said, follow me. And I will give you rest. I will give you waters that never run dry. And you are still calling us into that mission to this day. And not only are you calling us in it, you are calling us to be ambassadors for it. And that is a privilege of a God of grace. And so God, we thank you for the foundation of missions, which is your character, your nature, your goodness. We thank you for the fuel of missions, which is your love that knows no borders. God, we are thankful that you have given us a real role to play as we function as disciple makers as part of your mission. And God, you have called us to do that in a sphere that's from here to the ends of the earth. And may we be faithful stewards of what you have given us as your people. And may you be glorified because it's all about you. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.